0: Liberty.
1: What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends out there? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate once again, all by myself today. Charlie is not here. If this is your first time listening, we normally have two of us. Two of us, myself, Nate, and Charlie, who is normally sitting right across from me. Charlie and I have been friends since we were in high school which was just forever ago. Really, I graduated high school back in five. So it's, it's been quite some time now that the two of us have been best friends. So, you know, we do have a fun time going back and forth here all the time. We, we really know what the other person's thinking all the time. And so it makes for good conversation. But if this is your first episode... It's just me. So you're just getting one side of the conversation. Go back to the other previous 193 episodes if you want to hear some more. Is that 194, 193? 194, I think. And Charlie said I miscounted some of them, so we might actually be around 196 or 7. A lot of episodes. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you're listening on our website, which a lot of people do, we love you for doing that, but go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe so you can get a new episode every single day of the week when we want to sometimes charlie isn't here and that's okay we'll 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 make it good regardless okay we talk about life liberty and the the pursuit of meaning not happiness the pursuit of meaning because meaning is what matters meaning is what can get you through the day even when you're not happy so you gotta look for that meaning in your life why are you here and that can get you through all of the really tough times It really can. Trust me, I switched my focus on this a couple of years ago and uh, completely there. You can talk to people who've known me for a long time. My focus from switching to happiness, to meaning, it, it literally changed my life. It changed my entire outlook. So I would focus on that, focus on why you're here, what you're doing every day. Are you making a difference? Are you working towards making a difference? Do you have big goals? Do you have hope of being able to change your life or your family's life or the lives of all kinds of other people? and work towards that goal. And for a lot of people, working towards that goal, honestly, can change your life for the better. Even if you don't hit it, you know, make a big goal. Make a really big goal. That's what we normally do here. We make massive goals and, hey, you know, if we don't hit it completely, well, if we hit it a little bit, that's still really good, still really good. So we had this democratic debate last night. Demogra- democratic debate had to listen to these people saying the same thing they've been saying and i know what you're thinking good lord do i want to listen to another episode where they're talking about the 12th democratic debate we've whittled it down to seven people and now we're, they're all getting their last punches in on Bernie because he's the clear front runner. They're all getting those punches in. They're all making their final case, putting in their last word before all of these big elections happen. So, there, you know, a lot of people weren't really pulling their punches last night, although I do think that people like Sanders could be asked uh, some way tougher questions from people. Uh, I always hear Ben Shapiro talk about, hey, let's ask a basic question. Do you believe in private property? do you think that we should nationalize all of our industries just give me an answer on that give me some kind of an answer they asked him what he thought about cuba and that didn't go very well a lot of people giving him flack about that i bet you he's got a lot more really stupid stuff to say they they really could have been a little bit harder on him last night if i were trying to beat him i would start throwing that old commie word out there because that truly is what he is we're going to talk about that in just a second we're only going to cover some of the highlights listen you guys know what their policies are you know what their plans are you know what we think about those plans you know how you feel about those plans and what you think about them we've got these people up here talking about uh, an additional hundred trillion dollars in spending basically from the u.s government over the next 10 years they're literally up there arguing over who's better going to spend money that doesn't exist. Just think about that for a second. The money isn't even there. It doesn't exist. We're just talking about fake money. People think, well, the, the rich 1% have all the money. That's not even true. It's literally not even true. That's something that's been pulled over your eyes. It's something you can't see the the what's the total wealth of all the billionaires in the US is 3.1 trillion dollars? Their total wealth. And it's probably gone down a lot in the last few days with what's happening in the stock market. 3.1 trillion dollars being the total wealth of all of those people and you're sitting here telling me that we need to do 10 trillion dollars in additional spending next year? Where's the money going to come from, guys? Where's it gonna come from? It's not just gonna come from the top 1%, it never does. The The original intent of the income tax, the way it was written, it was only for the top 1%. What was a 1% tax on the top 1% of income earners? How long did that last? How long did it take until they went ahead and started taking money from everyone all the time? That's what's gonna happen here. At least Bernie has been slightly, slightly honest about the fact that taxes are going to go up. Now, he's one of the only presidential candidates I can remember that has stood up there and said that your taxes will go up. Your taxes, not just the rich people. You remember Elizabeth Warren was standing up there, and she was saying, well, your cost will go down. The prices will go down that you're going to pay. She was literally refusing to say the words that taxes were going to go up. I think that hurt her as far as being the person that all the progressive people went towards because it was obvious, I mean, it was obvious. The taxes got to go up. There's no possible way you could even entertain the conversation of having these programs without raising taxes on everyone, on every business and on every income earner. There's no possible way to even have the conversation. So that's what's going to happen. Everyone's taxes will go up. That's just a fact. That's the fact of the matter. The business taxes will go up, which is going to hurt all the people, even if you're in the bottom 20%. Say they don't touch those taxes. Let's say they don't raise the taxes on the bottom 20%. Those people all need jobs. Those people all have to work at places. Those people all need to save for retirement. Everyone needs to do that. You're gonna take it all from the 1% who's just going to then charge higher prices for all their stuff and they're gonna hire less people. This idea is, it's, it's insane. And it's, de- it's dependency. It's really sad. You know, I've been going back and forth on whether or not we should make the moral argument against these ideas because there's a very strong moral argument. And it doesn't just have to do with fear. Call it fear mongering. We'll talk about Russia and talk about China and and Venezuela. That could be your fear mongering moral argument because you don't want to see this happen and see all those things happen in this country. There's, There's one moral side. That's the fear mongering side. You got the moral side that's like, hey, what's better for people? Are people free? Are we actually free? Do we actually have liberties? Do we own ourselves or does the government own us? Can we make that argument for a minute? Is it better for people who are struggling? Is it better for people who come up and don't have all of the opportunities? Is it better for them to grow into a life of dependency on all of these policies? Is that better for themselves? Is that better for their children? Is it better for the future that you have generation after generation who lives being dependent on the incomes of other people instead of creating and fostering an environment where they could become those people that they're trying to live off of. That seems like a a dirty argument where you're saying you don't care about poor people or you don't care about minorities, you don't care about immigrants, things like that. To me, that's the moral argument. It's immoral to sit here and say that they can't do this. There's no way you need me or you're gonna die. You need to be dependent on me for the rest of your life and you have to make sure the right president stays in office for the rest of your life or you're gonna die. What kind of a moral argument is that? Now, they can make the moral case that people are in need and we should help them. That's obvious, we agree with that i agree with that people are in need and we should help them yeah let's do it let's do that let's do that through charities let's do it through churches let's do it through all kinds of other things that we're not even discussing yet guys the amount of money spent on advertising the value of companies for advertising and branding things has not even been realized yet People do not understand what you could get companies to pay for, to sponsor so they can get their name out there. You're talking about McDonald's highway. Okay. You already see you're here in Nashville. You got Nissan stadium. We've already got that. You got Bridgestone arena. You're saying that companies aren't going to fund other stuff. Can these companies come together and say, Hey, we know that this life saving medication was going to be way too expensive for people and us, Coca-Cola we would like to come together and sponsor this medication we're going to put our little name down there at the bottom of it we're not liable we didn't create the medication but it, it, from everything we can see this is this is a life-saving medication overall it saves more people than the the potentials of the the risks involved uh, more than that potential downside It's overall a positive thing for people to take this. And what we'd like to do is since this is so expensive, we as a company would like to subsidize this pricing for you with our brand name on it so you can afford, there are so many things that we are just not allowing to happen that could happen under an actual free market, an actual free market, which we haven't seen you and i if you're my age, I'm 32. If you're my age, we haven't seen a free market the most free thing we've seen is the internet so far that's a pretty free market all these businesses popping up and you've seen how that has just exploded and made everyone's lives better you can see that when you have a true free market pop up that's why we push for it. so you've got this moral argument that we can make that you and i can make when we're talking to people because i believe and this might not be a popular opinion I believe that talking about these political conversations, that talking about these debates, that talking about all this stuff, I think it's important. I also think it's possible to convert people. A lot of people don't think that's possible. I'm not sure there's a percentage of the of the uh, of, there's a there's a percentage of the people that will not be able to be converted say to free market capitalists or or libertarians or whatever you want to call it yeah there's a lot of them a lot of people that aren't going to be able to be converted to that ideology but there is a large percentage of people out there that are just in a really really difficult time and they feel like their last resort, that they're at the end of all of their options, that they have no other option and the only thing they can do is take this freebie that this person's saying they're gonna give them. I talked about I talked about on one of our Patreon videos the other day. If you wanna support us on Patreon, we would greatly appreciate that. You get all kinds of exclusive content on there. Uh, we were talking about, I was talking about how there's people in my life that are in bad medical conditions bad medical shape can't afford to have procedures to, to have surgeries to make their lives better you have this kind of moral conundrum and this this real life this real life situation where for a second you can sit there and say well man if we have medicare for all next year my whoever my mom my my brother, my sister, my dad, my wife could have this procedure. Right now, they're holding off on it because it's not affordable. If we have Medicare for All, that person close to me, their life might immediately get better next year, the year after that. We could fix that problem. Unfortunately, you gotta think further on down the road. And that's a tough thing to do when you're talking about people that are close to you that you really care about. It's really tough to do you got to be able to do it. you got to think about your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews and all of their kids. you got to think about the society 100 years from now. you got to think about those people. What, presi- what position are you putting them in? See, that's what people in the past, when they were okay with all of these policies getting put in, when FDR was elected to four terms, when, when that was happening, they weren't thinking 100 years down the road. They were thinking about, how can we immediately fix our situation right now? Some of our grandparents, or maybe they were around when Medicare was passed originally, when it came into fruition in the mid-60s. Maybe they were around when these policies came through, and they said, you know what? I hate it. I don't like the government. I'm a small government person, but gosh dang it, we got to do something. And this is going to help. This is going to help those people right now. And then you look 50 years down the road and medical costs have completely exploded after the government started putting trillions of dollars of taxpayer money into the medical system, and now we have an entire country full of people who can't afford their medical bills. When we turn to the government, because we said we have to fix this problem right now, we gotta make ourselves feel better right now, let's do it, they weren't thinking further on down the road. They weren't thinking about economics and rationality and real life and things that were true, they were just going by what their emotions and what made them feel good right then at that time. And we are living in the product of that right now, what we're dealing with right now. And you gotta make sure that you're not gonna do the same thing on a bigger scale to people that are gonna be here 100 years after you. You gotta make sure that you're making decisions for what is best for five generations down the road what's best for society that they all learn that they all have to be dependent on the high income earners on the most productive people that we set them up in a system where they've got no choice eventually but to live off of the government and then their kids grow up that way and then their kids grow up that way and we tell them then their entire lives that they can't and there's no possible way and they they just they'll never be able to do it without your help, without taxation, without whatever it is, this government program, that government program, what's best for society? That we do that or that we create a society of people who can be independent, who can be dependent on no one but themselves and who can teach that to their children. And those people can teach that to their children. We have these people who... Who maybe they're born with a silver spoon or what? Whatever that old saying. Has anyone ever actually born with a silver spoon these days? I don't know. Maybe they're born with a silver spoon. What did their parents do to put that in the to put that whole chain of events in line? What did their grandparents do to make that possible? Human beings all started out poor. There's different people who made different decisions to put the people who came after them in better positions you got to ask what those people we're not all on the same timeline we're not on the same timeline whatsoever we're all coming up at different times it's not all going to happen at the same time so you got to ask those people whose grandparents came up or their parents came up and now their kids are being born with their silver spoon in their mouth or whatever what did they do to put the future generations of their family in that position. Were they dependent on the government? Were they just living off of welfare? Were they making sure that they could take money from the taxpayers without their permission? Now, sure. Some of them, maybe they got it through unjust means. Maybe it was through a legal monopoly through the government and and that's how they got all that money. Maybe it was because they created something that a lot of people deem valuable. Maybe they were just really good with their money. Maybe they had a nice middle-class income and they saved their money and they invested and they saved and they invested and they lived smart. And then they set their kids up for, for a good future. What did those people do to set the future generations up? It was not welfare, it was not dependency. So when you can answer that question, which we can, I just answer it. What is best for the society long-term? There's a good moral argument right there that you can make to people. You can make that moral argument. And then at the end of the day, if all your other arguments fall through, you can always ask the question, do I own myself or does the government own me? Do you own me? You don't own me, but do you and a group of your friends own me? If enough people group together and they form a majority, do they own the minority? Are you telling me that as long as some idea has the majority of people that they can do whatever they want to the minority? Is that what you're saying? That's what the Democratic Socialists are saying. That's all I heard last night during this debate. That's that's all I heard the whole time. They want to talk they're in South Carolina, so obviously they're talking about they're talking about minorities. They're all trying to get all trying to get out the black vote. And so you could tell. It's exactly what they were trying to do the whole time. That should tell you something, by the way, all the things they talked about last night that haven't been talked about in the other debates. Pandering to votes, trying to get people to become dependent on them. That should tell you exactly what you need to know right Right there. Right there. But what's best? What's best for people? You actually think that the, the majority should control the minority? I thought we were talking about helping minorities. You're telling me. You're trying to tell me that as long as you've got 50.1% of people who agree on one idea, that the other people don't have any rights that you haven't given to them? There's all kinds of moral arguments you can make here. And then there's the argument that no one really wants to make, that no one wants to agree on or talk about whatsoever. The economic argument. Is this stuff even possible? Even if we all agreed on it. Let's say the entire country agreed on it. Everyone. We all agree on socialism and communism and everything should be free and all that crap. Let's all just agree. Is it even possible? No, no, it's not. It's not possible. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to play a clip right now from Bernie Sanders. We're going to talk about some of these other countries because when I just said it wasn't possible, what you've been trained to think immediately was well, I I mean, they do do it in some of these other countries. They, They do this. No, they don't do what Bernie Sanders is talking about in any of these other countries. Not at all. Maybe what a couple of the other candidates are talking about, although they don't have the taxation on the businesses like what they're all talking about. They don't do what Bernie's talking about. They don't do what Warren's talking about. Maybe they do a little bit of what Klobuchar is talking about. Something like that. Maybe even what Biden's talking about or Bloomberg. Bernie's up there talking about how people, people do this and uh, this has happened in other countries and, and we're going to reduce the cost and all, and all this kind of stuff. Hey, they're not doing what you're talking about doing, Bernie. All right, let's talk about whether or not his ideas are radical. During this part of the debate, they asked everyone to say what, their mo- what the biggest min- misconception was about them and uh, what their motto was. Uh, <laughs> misconception.
0: Yes.
2: Misconception, and you're hearing it here tonight? Is that the ideas I'm talking about are radical? They're not. In one form or another, they exist in countries all over the world. Healthcare is a human right. We have the necessity, the moral imperative, to address the existential threat of climate change. Other countries are doing that. We don't need more people in jail, disproportionately African-American, than any other country on earth. Not a radical idea. The motto, the saying that that moves me the most is from Nelson Mandela. And Mandela said, everything is impossible until it happens. And that means if we have the guts to stand up, the powerful special interest, we're doing phenomenally well.
1: If we can bring working people together, black and white. Okay. first off, first thing he said. Uh, It was really nice of him to dig up a Nelson Mandela quote before the South Carolina debate. Uh, I'm sure that he's always just lived by that quote, Uh, probably. Uh, He didn't pull it up for South Carolina. There's no way. No way he did that whatsoever. It said that everything's impossible, whatever the quote is, everything's impossible until it's done. Okay, I understand the idea behind that quote, guys. We live by that motto somewhat here. We do all kinds of things that people think are crazy. We talk about people that everyone thought was crazy all the time, your Bezos and your Musk and your, and your uh, Bill Gates and, and, and Steve Jobs and all these people. We talk about those people all the time. So I agree that you need to have the mentality going through your life that things can be impossible until they're not. The problem is that does not mean that anything that is impossible is possible. Do you you understand what I meant there? There are things that right now are perceived as impossible that are in fact possible. I don't know the actual, I'm just pulling this out here. I don't know the actual statistics or the, the for sure years that happened, but what we saw say early 1900s no one thought that the, was it the four minute mile or the five minute mile? I'm going to say, we'll say five minutes, even though it could be four. No one thought that the human being could break the five minute mile. Like I said, it could be four. No one thought the human being could break the five minute mile. People have been trying to do it for years, attempting to do it, and it couldn't be broken. No way. And in one year, someone broke the five minute mile. And then in the next year, something like six or seven people broke the five-minute mile. All that it took was for people to know that it was possible. That's all it took. Now, if you're a student of that story and you know all the for sure numbers, then then I totally botched the actual numbers, but you get the idea behind it. Everyone thought it was impossible. No one did it until one person did it. And all of a sudden, everyone else was like, whoa, this isn't impossible. Someone just did it. And then all of a sudden you get a bunch of people the very next year that broke it. So listen, things that people perceive as impossible can actually be possible. But that does not change the fact that there are impossible things. So you can't just say that anything that someone says is impossible could actually be possible. Those are two very different things. Even your coolest physicist, all these people, no matter how many great things or crazy ideas they come up with, they'll all say, "No, it's impossible to travel through time. Nothing. There's no way you can do that. Speed of light. There's. We don't have any way. Uh, we don't have any way to do that. Elon Musk, very smart guy, obviously comes up with all kinds of really cool ideas. No, nope, there's no way that we're ever going to have flying cars. That's. It's. It's not possible." That's, he will still say stuff like that. And he gives really good examples for why that's not possible. He's, he said, well, if you're all going to have some type of propellers or fans, you got to have some kind of force to push you off. Imagine how loud it would be. We wouldn't like it. You, you wouldn't be able to do that. It'd be way too loud. And then I think it was on Rogan. He said, well, what if we did something with electromagnetics and it lifted the car and Musk was just like, no, that's not. No, it's, that's, that sounds good. But it's not going to happen. Sorry, that's not possible. So even people like that who who live in impossibility all the time will still admit that even though these ideas are cool, they're not possible. Now I don't know, maybe someday that'll be broken. Who knows? I'm not a physicist, I'm not an engineer like Musk, I don't know. But I was just really I was kind of taken aback when he said that. The other thing is the other thing he says his ideas are not radical. Bernie says his ideas are. They're not radical. They've been done in one form. They're being done in one form or another in other countries throughout the world. Well, that's true. They are one form or another. He doesn't want to talk about what that another is, because sometimes this takes the form of a whole lot of dead people. That's, that's one of the another ways that his policies are done. He doesn't want to talk about that. He wouldn't even say anything bad about Cuba. That's just just not the way he's going to do it. That's not his mantra. That's not his motto. He's not going to live by that. Okay? So one form or another. Now, why, why would he be able to compare his policies to all these other countries? He likes to compare Medicare for all to Denmark and Europe and Canada and all this. All those countries have private insurance. All of them. Now, why the heck in a country like any of these places in Europe, in Australia, in Canada, who all allow for private insurance, they've all got free health care, yet you can buy private insurance to cover costs that you incur for things that aren't covered by the government? Is that an idea that he's telling his people about? No, he's saying every single possible thing that there is going to be free. You're never going to pay anything except for in your taxes. We're going to actually outlaw private insurance. These countries have not implemented the medical systems that he's talking about. The medical system he's talking about, this might sound like a lot more fear-mongering, I guess, but when you take out private insurance and you have the government as the only option for a payer, Remember in these other countries they've still got private insurance and there are things that the government does not cover. So you can still go get things that they don't cover and you just have private insurance to cover it. The only option for this type of a policy. For this type of an idea, it leads to rationing. It does. And I'm not talking about the kind of rationing we had in World War II or the kind of rationing you see yet in a lot of the old communist countries. I'm talking about yeah, um you know, we've decided that you don't really need that. We've decided that that's not something that we're gonna do for you right now. It's the old during the Obamacare years, they'd say, well, why don't you take the pill instead of having the procedure? It's that. And then you don't have a private insurance company if you wanna decide to do it. And yeah, this policy, it leads to rationing where they can pick to pay or not pay for care. And when they do that, they can, They can severely affect what types of treatments and what types of care, especially elective procedures, things like that, that people are going to end up having, having, especially when you're spending money that doesn't exist, especially then. That's the other part of this argument that we got to spend a lot of time on. Guys, this money doesn't exist. It's not there it doesn't exist. We are already in a trillion dollar deficit. Without all of these plans, we're already negative $1 trillion every year with $23 trillion in debt. And the debt matters. The debt does matter. Your money, the purchasing power, the value of the dollars that are in your bank account are severely affected by this by them creating new money and taking out new debt to do all of these things. This kind of thinking leads to inflation, can lead to hyperinflation, like they had in these other countries. Very, very difficult stuff to get people to pay attention to. In the Weimar Republic, before Hitler came to power, they had just suffered a 466 billion percent inflation in three years in three years that's what they had to go through similar numbers came out of venezuela and russia if you're gonna put new wallpaper in your house well actually it's cheaper to use dollar bills than it is to buy wallpaper if you uh, need to wipe yourself after using the bathroom in venezuela well it's actually cheaper just to use the money because it's actually cheaper than using toilet paper these kind of policies matter, especially when you're talking about already having the $23 trillion in debt. You know, oh crap, is it Sweden or Denmark, one of those, they got a trillion dollars in their sovereign wealth fund that they were able to make through their exploration and their, their mining and their drilling and their, all the things they've done going towards these evil natural resources that they've money, made money off of. When they started these policies, they weren't $23 trillion in the hole. That's, that's a big deal. That's a really big difference. We are not in the same situation that those countries are, and we're not even talking about using the same policies that they have. They allow private insurance. Their corporate tax rate is roughly the same as the one we have now, not the one we used to have we lowered our corporate tax rate down to what Denmark's corporate tax rate is. Ooh, that was an evil thing to do. Oh, we wanna be like Denmark, but also it's evil to lower the corporate tax rate down to this number. But we wanna be like Denmark, but also we can't have our corporate tax rate this low. You guys see how this thinking just doesn't work out? Can someone name me one of Denmark's policies that Bernie supports? They're economic policies not their freebies as a result of their economic policies, their actual economic policies, none of them. You wouldn't support any of them. No wealth tax, no minimum wage. Of course, it's negotiated by unions. They still got private insurance, 50% taxes starting at the middle class and the, the middle class and the top 1% pay the same tax rate. He's not gonna support any of their policies. He calling for a 24% sales tax on everything. Calling for a 100% tax when you buy a car. No, he's not calling for any of their stuff. He's calling for the results of all of their plans, without actually wanting to enact any of the plans that led to them being able to do this. It, it's it's not it's not gonna work. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not just being anti-government. Not just being an annoying libertarian that likes to complain about stuff. I'm being someone who actually wants to find real solutions to all of these problems. These are not solutions. They're simply not actual solutions. They're things that sound good. Bernie's policies are like having a heroin addict that needs to go in the rehab and your solution is to have government-provided heroin for that person. Bernie's policies are like having someone who is 500 pounds and instead of telling them that they need to get into the gym and, and exercise, have some personal responsibilities policies are that we should have free food for everyone as much as you want. That's his policies. You got to find things that are actually going to help, not things that are actually going to make it worse. All right, that that's, that's pretty important. I'm gonna talk about a little bit more from him and then we got a bunch of other candidates too. So uh, one thing, how much we're gonna save with Medicare for All?
2: Let's see. Medicare for All will lower Healthcare care costs in this country by $450 billion a year.
0: The math does not add up.
2: It adds up to four more years of Donald Trump.
0: It doesn't show enough about how we're going to pay for it. I dug in, I did the work, and then Bernie's team... Tra-
1: okay, so everyone was piling on Bernie last night, by the way. That was a little cut of everyone. They're all trying to get on him now because obviously he's the clear front runner probably going to get the nomination. We'll see. We'll see. They could go to a contested convention and, and pull some tricks out of their hat. I don't know. We'll see. But they're all laying on them. They're all finally talking about how Medicare for All doesn't add up. The math doesn't add up. Why weren't they saying this 12 debates ago? Why weren't they doing this then? Maybe they never thought that Bernie would actually be the front runner. Or maybe it's just kind of a last ditch effort for them. I don't know. But they're right about it. This idea that we're going to reduce the cost of health care by $450 billion a year through Medicare for All sounds exactly like every other government plan I've ever heard of. You know, Obama stood up in front of Congress and said that if we took over the lending process for student loans in 2010, which we did, we do not have private lenders anymore. It's all through government lending. That if we took that over, that the taxpayers would actually save $60 billion a year and that costs for college would go down? That's what he said. That's what he actually said. Now, what actually happened? Well, what actually happened is the same thing that also happened with housing prices. When you put a bunch of money, a bunch of taxpayer money that doesn't have any value behind it, into the housing market for people to buy houses that otherwise have not created enough value to be able to buy houses. They start buying stuff on free money, on free interest, on money that should not have gone out, and it artificially raises the price of the houses. You introduce a bunch of taxpayer money into that system and it causes the pricing to go up. Same thing happened with Medicare. We already talked about that, actual Medicare in 1965 what happened to medical pricing after that after we've now gotten to where we're putting six seven hundred billion dollars a year into this of taxpayer money into the medical system and we're acting like there's some kind of a, a this this weird problem we can't solve for why prices are going up it's the same thing we've always seen you introduce a bunch of taxpayer money that's taken out on debt that goes towards a product, you're using money that doesn't have any real value towards it and you create inflation when you do that. When you just create money, you imagine if you opened up a bunch of pallets of cash, a bunch of pallets of cash that were completely fake and you said, hey everyone, you get your own pallet of counterfeit money, we're gonna drop it off at your house and it can only be spent at Walmart. And every single person in the entire world gets their own pallet of cash and it's, yeah, it's, it's not real, but it's, it's good at Walmart. You can spend it at Walmart. There's a pallet that's got $40 million on it, only good to be used at Walmart, and you guys can all use that. What do you think is going to happen to the prices at Walmart? You think they're going to go down? No. No, you, there's no rational reason to believe that pricing would ever have any reason to go down after that. That's what we've done with all of these other markets. So first off, the idea that we're gonna save $450 billion, well, that's not gonna work. First off, that's not gonna happen. I've yet to find a government plan that came within its budget and within its effectiveness that they had advertised. You're gonna, you're gonna bet the healthcare of over 300 million people on the first time that the government ever does something correctly? And then you're going to bet that you're going to have people you agree with in control of that for the rest of all time. That's a terrible bet. That, that bet's not going to work. That's not going to pay off. And then I can't figure out why if we're paying 3.4, 3.5 trillion dollars a year. Bernie's out there talking about how we pay twice as much for our health care as any other country. And it's all because of greed. That's why. Well, his implication would be, if we're paying $3.4 trillion a year, his implication would be that our health care should cost $1.7 trillion a year if it weren't for all the greed, and the government's going to remove the greed. Therefore, we should be paying $1.7 trillion per year instead of $3.4 trillion a year. Why is he only saving $450 billion by doing this? That's, you're still, you're still well, you're a lot higher in expenses than the other countries have and you've removed all the greed. So what's the other problem? What's the other problem in this industry? Not to mention this is gonna screw over a lot of people where I'm sorry, this isn't very good on the moral argument. This is going to screw over a lot of people who do not need to use the medical system. People who are healthy, who lucked out, that are completely healthy, are gonna have to pay much higher taxes and higher prices for all their goods for a system that they're not using only the people who are using the medical system all the time are going to benefit from this everyone else people who only go to the doctor once a year maybe twice a year all of those people and up they're all going to get screwed There are going to be a lot of people that are going to be unhappy about this and the fact that we're going to be removing private insurance from the market tells you how much it's going to suck Because if it wasn't gonna suck, they would leave it to be legal to have private insurance and everyone would clearly choose to use Medicare for all instead because it's gonna cover everything. What they don't want is they don't want when they don't cover things, when they deny you and say that you can't have elective procedures, or you can't have certain medications because they can't pay for it, it's not in the budget. Well, private insurance market's gonna pop up in that. That's what's gonna happen. The actual private insurance will come in, just like it does in Europe, in Australia, and Canada, and it will cover those things that the government doesn't want to cover. He doesn't want that. How disgusting is that? Why would you want to get rid of private insurance? If it sucks, then don't go buy to private insurance, just use the Medicare for all. Why not allow it? That's because he doesn't want to show you all the stuff that the government could be paying for. That's a very sinister side of his plan, a very immoral side of his plan that he has not been able to explain yet whatsoever. I want to hear Elizabeth Warren talking about how she'd be much better than Bernie. Guys, everyone go vote for Elizabeth Warren. There you go.
0: As the Democratic Party is a progressive party and progressive ideas are popular ideas, even if there are a lot of people on this stage who don't want to say so, you know, but Bernie and I agree on a lot of things, but I think I would make a better president than Bernie. And the reason for that is that getting a progressive agenda enacted is going to be really hard, and it's going to take someone who digs into the details to make it happen. Bernie and I both wanted to help rein in Wall Street. In 2008, we both got our chance, but I dug in, I fought the big banks, I built the coalitions, and I won. Bernie and I both want to see universal health care, but Bernie's plan doesn't explain how to get there, doesn't show how we're going to get enough allies into it, Thank and you. doesn't show enough about Thank how we're going to pay for it. Thank I dug in, I did the work, and then Bernie's team trashed me for it we need a president who is going <laughs> I like to like bernie in. back
1: i like bernie back there oh <laughs> go back and hit the back 15 seconds thing and listen to him come in again with his oh it's really good so um here's the idea she said she's gonna be better some of those things she's right about by the way i'm not gonna go vote for warren i'm not gonna go vote for warden warren on anything but she's pretty right about this and the fact that bernie's just saying like We're going to do this. Hey, it's got to be done. We're going to do it. No, things aren't impossible if you do them. That's his plan. That's really his plan. Oh, we'll spend $100 trillion over the next 10 years that we don't have. We'll pay for it with this $2 trillion stock market tax. There you go, guys. There's a plan. This is really good. It's going to work. No. Now, she's dug in, and she's laid out a terrible plan for everything. But she's right that she has actually... Tried to go in and specifically detail how all this stuff is going to be done. She seems like a pretty smart, pretty detailed person, as far as that goes. You know, well educated, pretty detailed. She's trying to show the numbers, and problem is, people don't care about the numbers. People care about emotions. When you listen to her, you're kind of reminded of your, uh, just say, not very nice third grade teacher who treated you like crap and was always giving you detentions and stuff all the time. That's kind of what I what I think about when I think about her. Not specifically my third grade teacher, personally. Um, but that's kind of what she reminds me of. So she's making the case that she'd be better because she'd be able to work with other people and do all this stuff, and Bernie's not gonna do that. He's turning off everyone. He's turning everyone against everyone. Yep, that's pretty true. That's pretty true overall. Let's hear from Mike Bloomberg real quick. He pulled, he sounded like Trump when he did this first part. Um, he get, he got a little got a little dirty on it and then he pulled out some Trump at the beginning when he said oh hey guys I'm surprised you all showed up after I won that last debate so well uh, it was pretty good I'm surprised they show up because I would have thought after I did such a good job in beating them last week that they'd be a little bit afraid to
2: do that and I But I think that uh, Donald Trump thinks it would be better if he's president. I do not think so. Vladimir Putin thinks that Donald Trump should be president of the United States. And that's why Russia is helping you get elected so you'll lose to him.
1: (laughs) Okay, so throwing some conspiracy theories out there. Uh, It has been reported by some intelligence community people that this could be the case. First off, that they're once again trying to help Trump get reelected. And one of the ways that they're trying to help Trump get, Trump get reelected is by trying to help Bernie get elected in the primary. Because let me tell you something that a lot of these socialists don't want to hear. Trump, if Bernie is the candidate, is going to absolutely destroy Bernie Sanders in the actual election. Now, I know maybe that doesn't sound true. Look at all these national polls. National polls don't matter. They don't matter at all. What matters is each individual state poll. And even those are going to be way off. But we don't do a national election for good reason. What we do are a bunch of state elections because we have 50 separate countries who formed a union so they could defend themselves. And what each of them do is they have their elections and each state says, this is who we think should be the president. And that's what they each say. And they take those 50 states and some of, the other, some of the other territories. They take those states and territories together and they say, well, each one, this is what this state said. This is what this state said. And they weight them all on their populations and try to keep that process as fair as possible. And what we have are the 50 states putting in their votes for who they believe should be the person running the entire country as a whole. So we don't do national polling, and for good reason. Uh, we, don't want, we don't want California and New York always deciding who the president should be. Look at California, New York, and Chicago. You, you really want those populations, those populations of some of these cities, New York City, Chicago, and LA, deciding who the president should be? Those cities have enough population to decide. You don't want that cuz you don't want to live by their policies because look at how that's working out in their states. Not working out that great at all. So we have the electoral college. So so once again the national polling doesn't matter and Trump's going to mop the floor with Bernie. I hope Trump is practicing for this by the way cuz I want to see him actually give some good economic arguments and not just a bunch of put-downs to Bernie and his I don't know, his age and his voice and and whatever. He needs to talk about the virtues of free market capitalism and while trump might not be the best person to talk about that he will be the person who's going to be up there on the stage that's going to be talking about free market capitalism and how we need a smaller government so i hope he's working on all the talking points for that and is not just gonna you know just go by a whim and say whatever is popping up in his mind surely they're coaching them right surely they're coaching them on what to say in the debate so I think Bloomberg, that was about the only point I heard him score. Uh, he's, he has wasted an insane amount of money. Uh, there's no way, unless the DNC pulls out something that is, I don't know, unjustified or immoral or unfair, unless the DNC pulls out something like that, I see there's no path to victory for Bloomberg here. Now, if Bloomberg got the nomination, then I think Trump's in trouble. I think he'd be in a lot of trouble at that time because I think Bloomberg could get the union and the, and the middle class vote and all of that, uh, where I don't think that Bernie is actually going to get those votes when it's all said and done. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Joe Biden, he's still in the race, by the way. Joe Biden had what I would only describe as a, uh, you could describe it as a Freudian slip. It's where you're talking and you accidentally say the truth while you're talking and uh he just kind of goes right over it it's actually what he meant to say but the uh, the implications behind it i think are massively massively terrible he's talking about how he's going to win the black vote so if you want someone who's going to win the black vote then you got to go for joe biden and here's why he's going to to win the black vote my numbers
2: i'm still 15 points ahead the latest poll
0: yes yes you're correct But look, look, but Senator Sanders isn't striking distance of you. You are within the margin of error in this in this state. Well, it depends on which. Look,
2: I've I've earned the vote. I've worked like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community, not just here, but across the country. I've been coming here for years and years, creating jobs here.
1: Okay, I don't know if you caught it in there. He's worked like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community.
2: I've worked like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community.
1: Think about that statement for a minute. Religious or not religious, whatever. Apply some other meaning to devil if you want to. He's worked like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community. What does that mean? What does that mean? If you really even think back to biblical times and you think about the devil tempting you with things, and tempting you and tempting you and giving you the break eventually and go against everything that was moral and right. I mean, just think about the implications of that statement if you were to take it literally. And I do think that that is what he's done. He has worked like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community. That's what a lot of politicians have done, unfortunately. You have an entire portion of society that was seriously disaffected by uh, racism, by Jim Crow laws, by slavery. You've got this entire portion of society that was started uh, from a lower position from everyone else. And then you've had these people come in and decide that the only way for anyone to make it is to make others dependent on others, to hand them things, to allocate money towards those communities, to make them live off of government programs. Guys, I don't think it's racist to say that welfare, welfareism, dependency has only hurt minority populations. You could look at the immediate help. I need to pay a bill. There's that money. But then look at the long-term things that are created by that. Look at the generational poverty that just keeps going and keeps going. It's not moral. To work like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community. That, that doesn't seem like that should be a controversial statement whatsoever, but maybe it would be. Throughout most of the time you'll hear me, I would say, you guys send me a message. I know, I know this isn't something you're supposed to talk about, but it's a podcast, so whatever. Whatever. I s- <laughs> he says African-American. Listen, I, throughout the entire course, I've, I've said, I said black. And I say that because I don't think, I don't feel the need to define people by what country their ancestors came from. I've never felt the need to do that. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, you know, no one comes to me and says, Japanese American, you know, no one says that. No one calls me that whatsoever. No one goes to Charlie and says European American. To me, it just feels... It feels more racist to define people by that and to define them by where their ancestors came from. That's so weird to me that we still do that. Like people call me white. That's, they call me white. They don't call me a European American. They don't call me anything like that. So uh, it's why, why set out another portion of the population and have to call them by the country that their ancestors came from. I don't understand the need to do that and hey you know if you want to send me a message and say why you think that is the right thing to do correct me where I'm wrong on it correct me where I'm wrong I just feel like I feel like I'm I'm giving some type of designation based on their ancestry which feels anti-equality when I say it but you can get in trouble for saying that kind of stuff whatever this is a podcast we do what we want who cares I do care if it does seriously bother you and you can give me the reasoning on that. You can send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. I didn't plan on saying that, but I just, I don't know. I I've, I've thought that I should actually say that out loud and just see, see what people thought about it. We're gonna end it right there because to me, those are the important points of the debate. It was slightly disgusting to me last night to hear how much That debate was angled towards getting the black vote. Just this pandering and pandering, give me your vote. I'm going to give you money. Give me your vote. I'm going to give you money. Be dependent on me. Be dependent on my party. Be in there for the rest of your life. If you don't have me, then you're going to die because you can't do it on your own. That's all I heard last night. And you didn't hear that much when they were debating in Nevada or they were debating wherever else they were. No, they were in South Carolina last night. So they completely changed the way they talked about everything. And to me, I don't know, I just find that kind of gross. I find it kind of gross, guys. I really do. So you guys can let me know what you think. Send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us, goodmorningliberty.us. I love hearing from you guys. Sometimes it takes me a day or two to respond to emails and messages just because we've got a lot of stuff going on. We're working on this trading class right now, the Liberty Trading Academy. Um, I'm trying to get the website finished. I still trade every day. Actually, if you heard my attention kind of float away there for a second, I was literally in a trade for the last two or three minutes and trying to decide where to get out and take profit, Did make some profit on that trade while we were talking right there. So um, if you guys want to get in, if you guys are interested in day trading, if you're interested in learning how the market works, and you could even start with a, with a low amount in your account, or you can start with a high amount in your account. Just know what amount of money you're gonna risk on every trade. I've been doing this for several years now. Uh, we, we're gonna start out from the very beginning. I mean, literally opening up, I just did a video earlier today, opening up a charting platform and navigating around the platform to figure out what the heck all the stuff on the charting platform was, where you need to go to figure out how to do everything. So we, you know, we're gonna go from the very basics: how to read it, how to navigate the platform. Then we're gonna go to the technicals of the trading, support, resistance levels, a bunch of different strategies. I trade three three main strategies all the time, uh, pre- pretty much every day. I'll trade three different strategies. Um, if you guys want to learn the very basics, how to know what you're looking at. How to know why we're gonna get in these trades, and then learn the exact strategies. After we go over all of the vocabulary, and we and we teach we teach all of that, so you'll know what you're looking at. If you guys are interested in doing that, next week we're gonna put we're gonna be putting up the website, um, and we're gonna be taking the subscriptions on it. It's gonna be forty seven dollars to join the class, and that's gonna be your monthly subscription. You get a seven day free trial, so you're gonna get on there. You're gonna see all the content. It's not like some kind of you know, lower amount of content because you're on a trial. And if you want to see all the content and you need to pay for whatever, no, you're going to get a seven-day free trial on the class. So if you get in, you're like, holy crap, I don't like this. None of the, I don't want to do this whatsoever. I don't have time, any of that, It'll just cancel. There'll be a cancel button, just do it. We'll be starting this class next week. Send me an email if you're interested so we can keep track of all the people that are still interested in this. Put you on an email list for the people that are interested so I can send you an email when we do upload the class, when everything is going. And guys, you don't have to, you know, it's going to be an on-demand class. So next week, we're going to upload the first week of content. And so there's going to be a week of courses, similar to like you're taking a course, like a college course, only better and cheaper. So it'd be similar to like you're taking an, an online class. It's gonna be all video tutorials on how to do everything. And then the next week, we're gonna upload the next week's course content. But the first week's still gonna stay on there. And it's always gonna be on there. So even if you can't do it right now, a, a month or two down the road, you get on there and get on the class, all of the content's gonna be there. So it's not as if if you don't start next Wednesday, March 4th, if you don't start then, then you've missed it and there's no way you can do it. Um, that's that's not gonna be the case. The content's gonna be on demand. We're gonna upload it one week at a time until all the educational content is on the website. Then we're gonna be doing live Q&As every week with the people who are in the class. Uh, we're gonna be doing pre-market trading for one of the tier levels where you can see where I'm analyzing what's going on before the market opens, deciding what trades I'm gonna take as soon as the bell rings, going through all that stuff, going through all the strategies. It's all gonna be on that class, okay? So you can check that out. Send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us, so I can put you on our list to show people when everything's available and to let you know that it's there, it's available. It will be next week, but I'll send you a little reminder. You're not gonna get an email every single day spamming you all the time. That's not what's gonna happen. I just wanna be able to send people a reminder and say, hey, this is available. Let's, let's uh, th- here's the website. This is what's available. This is what's on the class. So anyway, send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty to support the show. We got another patron yesterday. Thank you so much for doing that. We just started the Patreon account a couple weeks ago. We got a few people supporting us on there. That's awesome. I'm putting up exclusive content on there. You get a first tier, you get a 25% discount on our merch store for great shirts like Taxation is Theft a nice shirt that says Liberty, you can get a mug that says "Burning Lies, all kinds of good shirts on there, so you get 25% discount, just getting on the $5 level, and you get exclusive videos, uh, normally it's me driving in my car for 15 minutes, just free-flowing ideas and what I'm thinking about stuff before we do the podcast, working through these ideas in my head, uh, not edited, it's literally just uploaded directly to it. So you're going to get exclusive content, there's pre-show, post-show, there's an extra episode on there once a week, there's all kinds of stuff. This week's been a little rough because Charlie's not here and I'm trying to get this course together, so you got to bear with me just a little bit this week because... This has been insane trying to put together an entire educational course while also trading every single day and while also trying to load up our website with content and all of our social media platforms, trying to grow our TikTok, which thank you for following us if you've gone and did that. We've got 6,160 followers on TikTok in the last, what's it been, five weeks now that we've had TikTok. So that's good. Five weeks, over 6,000 followers. So go follow us on there lot of stuff going on and it's all so we can get the right ideas out there in front of the all the people that we can get them out there in front of so you guys can learn better responses so you can talk with me and tell me better responses to things or things that i'm missing i miss stuff okay and i don't ever intentionally try to miss things or misquote something but there's a lot of stuff to put together here and so if you've got some kind of idea that you think i'm not picking up on or if there's some stat that you think i missed or some kind of idea you think that i just haven't you know thought about yet you send me that email nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us. we're all going to learn from each other on the best way to make this argument and actually convert people i'm not interested in having a civil war here that's not what i'm interested in doing i don't want to get up in arms and start hurting people that's not what i want to do I wanna actually make the case that the free market is the best thing for the most amount of people. And I wanna prove that to people who don't agree with me. And I wanna bring them over to my side. You guys should have that same goal too. That, that really should be the goal. And that's what we're all doing. We're all talking back and forth. We're getting the right ideas out there. We're helping each other respond to social media posts. We're getting the right content out there in front of everyone that we can, so we can actually affect some kind of change. So you can do that supporting on patreon sending me emails you can leave a rating and review on this show that helps more than you can even understand with all those algorithms when people are searching for a political podcasts ratings and reviews on the shows are very important tell a friend and tell an enemy tell your best friend that you think needs to hear this and tell your communist uncle force them down and hold them and make them listen to this episode i'm kidding don't do that we don't agree with that whatsoever that was a joke everyone it, just in case we're in court later, I clearly said that that was a joke. So, guys, if you do all those things, Charlie and I will be here tomorrow. And then Friday, we're going to be doing an interview with the guys from Lions of Liberty. Great podcast. Check that out. If you're looking for more libertarian content, those guys are really funny. they got all kinds of episodes on their podcast all the time. So you can go check out Lions of Liberty. We'll be talking to them on Friday. So anyway... You guys do all those things. We'll be right back again here tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.